I invite you to turn to Psalm 30 this morning. Psalm 30. Sing unto the Lord, O ye saints of His. That's an opportunity we have. That's an injunctive we have. It's a command we have. And this house of the Lord this morning that we meet in is perhaps our greatest opportunity and outlet for such praise. Psalm 30. I will read it to you, and I expect that, uh, that together all of us will look for the words towards the end of this psalm, to the end, to the end. And I ask you to consider this morning your purpose. What purpose for your life do you have? To the end. This psalm may be broken into three sections, perhaps. Verses 1 through 3 is David personally extolling and praising the Lord for personal benefits received. That's the first three verses. Verses 4 through 6, he's inviting everyone else. O ye saints of his, he's charging us and those in his congregation to praise the Lord for the benefits that he received. The last half of the psalm, verses 7 through 12, David gives us a classic and a very personal and intimate uh, recounting of one of the trials that the Lord brought him through, what he was thinking and what he did and then what the purpose of that trial was. He recounts his experience, his reasoning with the Lord, the purpose, and then concludes with a wonderful and beautiful short application of the lesson for our lives. Psalm 30. I will extol thee, O Lord, for thou hast lifted me up and hast not made my foes to rejoice over me. O Lord my God, I cried unto thee, and thou hast healed me. O Lord, Thou hast brought up my soul from the grave. Thou hast kept me alive, that I should not go down to the pit. Sing unto the Lord, O ye saints of His, and give thanks at the remembrance of His holiness. For His anger endureth but a moment. In His favor is life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. And in my prosperity, I said, I shall never be moved. Lord, by thy favor, thou hast made my mountain to stand strong. Thou didst hide thy face, and I was troubled. I cried to thee, O Lord, and unto the Lord I made supplication. What profit is there in my blood when I go down to the pit? Shall the dust praise thee? Shall it declare thy truth? Hear, O Lord, and have mercy upon me. Lord, be thou my helper. Thou hast turned for me my mourning into dancing. Thou hast put off my sackcloth and girded me with gladness. To the end, that my glory may sing praise to thee and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give thanks unto thee forever. To the end, there is a purpose to the trials and the experiences that the Lord brings you through. Hear these words echoed from 1 Peter 1, verse 6. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. It is needful for you to be in heaviness through manifold temptations, and there is a purpose to it. It is this purpose for your life 
that you can, fi- you can find great comfort, great profit, great strength, and great drive as you go forward into the future. Verse 1, I will extol thee, O Lord. Let others forget the Lord and murmur and complain against the Lord and blaspheme against the Lord. But I will extol the Lord because I have been favored above all others. I have been chosen out. I have been singled out for peculiar benefits and blessings. And particularly here in this psalm, David was describing the benefit of his victory over foes. Our souls were constantly under attack by an incredibly powerful and merciless foe. The consistent defense of this foe and the repulsion of this foe's advances and the refusal of our souls to surrender and the will to fight against this foe are blessings for which we ought to be mindful and extol the Lord. Verse 2, a simplistic review and summary of the cycle that is true for every saint. O Lord my God, I cried unto thee, and thou hast healed me. Is this not the record of Scripture, and is this not the record of every true saint of his in the world today? Verse 4, sing unto the Lord, O ye saints of his. David felt that it was not enough for him to sing praise to God alone. He did, but it was not enough. Shouldn't we feel the same way? He has done too much for you and I to just say thank you in our hearts and move on. That's right. Remember the tenth leper? The other nine received the blessing and went on with life. Let us be a house full of tenth lepers, if you will. You are chosen, bought with blood, set apart and sanctified for the purpose of thanksgiving and showing forth praise. Verse 5. His anger endureth for a moment. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning, and in his favor is life. This is, again, the typical story of the redeemed. It is healthy. It is a pattern for life, for weeping to come for a short season. His anger of chasing and correction is usually short, and is shortened all the more by your quick repentance. Every saint knows this to be true. This is not an unusual strange thing for a Christian to go through. It is the process by which he grows in understanding and closeness with God. Uh Hear the words from Ecclesiastes 7.14. In the day of prosperity, be joyful. But in the day of adversity, consider. God also hath set the one over against the other. To the end, the man should find nothing after him. Verse 6. In my prosperity, I said, I shall never be moved. Lord, by thy favor, thou hast made my mountain to stand strong. David here is so full of God's reward and blessing that he feels like he is set forever on the mountaintop. Perhaps, though, sometimes we allow part of our our, uh, joyfulness and praise to be based on carnal blessings of the Lord. Mm -hmm. Consider when the Lord blesses your job, and in this case, uh, this psalm we're told is is a psalm or song of dedication uh, when David built the house of the Lord, or, or his own house that he lived in, his sealed uh, house with cedar, if you recall that. Some people think that's perhaps when he wrote this psalm, when he was full of the carnal blessings of the Lord and had his house full of cedar and walls and houses, safety from his foes and enemies. And then he got that brilliant thought, ah, oh, it's not fair. It's not fair that I'm dwelling in this house. Right. And the Lord has blessed me richly, carnally, with peace and safety in so many ways but the Lord still dwells in a tent. What can I do about that? 
Perhaps we allow those carnal blessings to feed and to be a fuel and a source of some of our satisfaction and joy in this life. Let's look past those gifts and see the giver of those gifts and make sure we recognize the source of those blessings, primarily for our praise. Let us not rest only only on his blessings, but also on the Lord directly. Verse 7, I'm sorry, verse 8. I cried unto thee, O Lord, and unto the Lord may I, I made supplication. The last half of verse 7. Thou didst hide thy face, and I was troubled. For every true saint, the Lord does not have to resort to blows to make us be troubled. Note that he only has to hide his face. Let him guide you with his eye, as James tells us. Don't make him break out the, the bit and the bridle to get your attention. We should not be like the horse or the mule that have no understanding. Oh, that we were always so attuned to God's favor and his face that all he had to do was hide his eyes and we would be troubled. It is true for you that you may find a great comfort because the wicked could care less whether God's face is hidden. So if you are troubled when God hides his face, find great comfort in that fact. Perhaps if we cannot always see his direct smiles of his face, the next best thing is to know that we are troubled and distressed when he hides his face. It is a blessing to be bothered when he withdraws himself. Verses 9 and 10, David uses holy reasoning with God to pray for his speedy recovery. Here we see a holy example given to us of an effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man. If David dies or if his soul dies, There would be one less voice to praise God in the earth. There would be one less witness of God's blessing and goodness in the earth. I ask you, would that be the case if you died today? Is your life worth sparing and is your soul worth helping because of the praise that will come from you in the future? Verses 11 and 12. Morning to dancing, sackcloth to gladness. Observe the contrast when God makes recovery. Does he merely just turn a storm to calm? Yes, he does. But, oh, he does a great deal more than that. He gives such great joy that a real Christian cannot keep still and silent in that advent. Is that not true? Verse 12, to the end, what is the reason for this cycle of trouble and blessing, of mourning and dancing, of sorrow and gladness? The end is praise. What a waste of your sorrows if you fail to render due praise after they are resolved. It was a waste. You've wasted the tears and the experience and the trouble of it, and you're probably doomed to repeat it. Further, what a waste of God's time. What a waste of God's precious conviction and correction if the result is not more praise and thanksgiving to Him. Would you dare to turn aside His precious work in your life as nothing, and waste the opportunity that he's given you to give him the full return that his effort deserves. It is a shameful crime if after receiving God's tender mercies in your life, we forget to praise him. Our tongue should not and cannot be silent and idle with so much of God's work and blessing behind us. O Lord, my God, I will give thanks unto thee forever. It is our eternal destiny. Let's do it now. Let us purpose to praise, then let's actually praise. Conviction is wasted unless it results in change. Let us join with the angels in heaven and the saints that have gone on before us 
and with each other in this body today and give thanks to him forever. Amen. 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 Brother Newell.